Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. I am Sykes and this is my podcast. Now, before we get started, I just want to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode with Brendan from William Forrest. If you're one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Now, today on the show, we got my friend C. Scott. And for those of you who don't know C. Scott, he is a producer, musician, beat aficionado, record collector, man of many, many talents and hats, intimidating, gifted, and very nice. He's a nice gentleman. So I invited him over, and we had a good little talk. Actually, this is a pretty fucking long talk, to be completely honest with you. This is one of the longer episodes, but it's all good. So if you're into hip-hop or producing music or just figuring out how to get yourself out there in the modern day, this is a good talk because we talk about all that stuff and more. Yes. So how about I just shut up and we get into my conversation? All right. Sounds good to me. Hex, yeah. All right. Why am I still doing this? I don't know. I'm not even putting the mic in front of my face. Let's get let's let's get back to it. All right. Sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat. So I guess let's talk about making beats for a little bit and then yeah. we'll complain about hip hop for a while and oh, sure. it'll be tight. Oh, so tight. Okay, <laughs> let's get it. Um, I guess we could start really boring and whatnot with uh, getting into making beats and what and all that stuff. Okay, like like how I got into making beats. Uh, actually, or? I'm not like. What was the first piece of equipment that you started making beats on? Okay, um, if I think back, I think like 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 most people of my generation, probably the first time I interacted with uh, music making software of any kind was probably GarageBand. Okay, and but I didn't really make beats on that at first you know i just you know my friends would you know fuck around with it and they would you know like put together apple loops and, and stuff like that and um you know some of them got a little bit more serious at that but it's it's still just you know like dragging a, a pre-made loop and then you know dragging another thing and it's all in key and it all works and yeah, just, yeah, you, yeah. Know, you know it's whatever like we're we're all in middle school like it's it that's cool that's what you're, you're still like in middle school you're learning how the software works right, and you're learning right, how exactly. to like, structure that, a song yeah d- d- so at that point you know that's kind of the extent of it um i think when i got to high school 
um, I got hip to Ableton um, because this kid, Jeremy, uh, who was like a senior when I was a, a freshman, was um, you know doing shows and, and playing sets, and he now is uh, Chrome Sparks. Okay, so he was you know like the man for that uh, when I went to Kappa. You know, he was everybody like actually when I first started you know, making beats, people would, like it would tease me and be like, "Oh, you just want to be like him, you know? You're the next Jeremy." <laughs> and I would get like defensive about that, you know, just because I'm I'm myself, you know, or whatever. Um, How do you feel about that now? Oh, it's 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 whatever. Yeah. Do you it's, feel like you've evolved into a? I mean, it's it's yeah. I mean, your own Chuck Scott. <laughs> of course. No, I mean it was it was, it was, it was never that. I mean, he was just the first person I saw doing it. Yeah, so yeah. That, I got that was you. an inspiration. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think I think like through that, through seeing that, I kind of you know would start to like. I think I downloaded the demo, and I would you know like at that point you know I, I had found for out Ableton, about, yeah, and um I, I had found out about you know you know the the hip hop production methods that you know I I, I liked you know like samples and stuff, and I was like, well, I have you know all of these songs in my you know iTunes or whatever, and I can just you know like sample them in Ableton and you know try to do. Yeah, you know, create that. some loops and shit. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, at first I was doing that, and but the first real piece of hardware was the uh, the SP four hundred four. Okay, and that's when I got serious about it because you know at that point you have you know a physical like machine with buttons on it, you know that you're interacting with, as opposed to like the buggy demo version of Ableton that keeps crashing because you won't pay for it. <laughs> um, and you know I couldn't save anything, and you know it was just. You know, kind of was what it was. It was just like uh, a springboard into getting deeper into sure. it. Sure. I mean, if you, but you had a genuine passion for wanting to compose beats. Yeah. And I didn't know what I was doing. Okay. You know, that's, that's the other thing. Like, cause Ableton is such a, you know, full fledged, you know, like, you know, piece of software. And it's, I was scratching the surface of it just barely, you know, I had this weird, you know, like workaround workflow where I was, you know, like, I didn't know how time stretching worked in Ableton, which is the, you know, how it's all, it's all centered around warping and time stretching. Okay. I didn't know how that worked. So that was, <laughs> that was problematic. Um, but you know, so I decided to, you know, to go for like a more streamlined, you know, kind of simple piece of hardware and the, the 404 was kind of perfect for what I wanted to do. So it all, it all worked out. And then, you know, from there I just, you know, started, you know, using just pad based samplers and, you know stuff like that pretty yeah much exclusively. do you do you use ableton anymore i've never no, known no, you to no, use. i've really, never even no. heard that word come out of your mouth before until right now no no um you know if, if i'm i have it it's around if, if i need it but i've never you know delved that deeply into it you do use machine from yeah time to time, right do yeah. you prefer machine over ableton i just i prefer the workflow of, of any sort of like pad based sampler like that yeah um I mean, if I had the push too, um, I would probably use that um, because it, it has a really intuitive way of you know manipulating samples. It's more familiar to me because the way it is in Ableton right now, it, it's kind of convoluted just to take a sample and like slice it and you know assign it to a pad, you know MPC style. That's yeah. all I want to do. I don't want to you know sit there with the mouse all day and you know fidgeting with you know like. I'd rather just have you know press a button. It's there. Yeah, totally. So that's kind of that's kind of where my head's at, and you know, I just um, yeah, I, mean, I don't really get it too much into DAWs. I mean, I need to. I'm going to start, you know, like getting more into that side of things because I need to be more self sufficient. 
I need to actually like properly mix down my records now or <laughs> whatever, you know, just because it's, it's a necessity and I can't always pay for studio time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But as far as music creation goes, I, I like just having, you know, like a kind of a dedicated piece. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Whenever I started getting into beats, um, the first real piece of hardware I had was, uh, a Korg Electribe ES1, yeah. the sampler one. I still have it. It's on the floor over there. Um, yeah, the green one. Yeah, the green one. I had that. And then I got, I had the red one and the blue one of that model as well. I've sold both of those since. So there was four in the series. There was the green one, the red one, the blue one, and the black one. I still have the green one and the black one, but the red and the blue ones are gone. Yeah. If you're, fam- if you're familiar oh, with yeah. how those all worked, oh, I, but I got the, um, the upgrade. Of the, this is like the uh, the EMX one, yeah, which is the bigger version of the EM one, which was the black one o- over there. Right, I'm spitting a bunch of numbers that nobody's gonna know what I'm talking about. Oh, it's so, beautiful. <laughs> this is nerd hour. I love it. Um, this is but, great. Uh, you might as well be talking about I mean, anything. <laughs> Quantum physics, for all the yeah. It's just, just, the I think that uh, it probably goes without saying that this is going to be an episode for producers, fellow producers hip-hop aficionados or whatever all the nerds know. out there yeah all the nerds uh where was I at? oh I, what I, basically the whole point i was getting into is that um it's the thing that sucks about the electribes is you can mm-hmm. compose songs with your patterns in the electribe so you could set it up so right you know you could sequence a full track but it's a pain in the ass and I can never really figure it out. Mm-hmm. So I needed to learn a DAW pretty early on just to be able to like record songs. Oh yeah. Because it doesn't have like the, it's not as streamlined as it is with like an MPC or working directly within Ableton right. or machine or something right. like that. I mean, this was fucking, we're talking, this was 2002, 2003 when I started. Right. So like that, that shit didn't even exist. Right. That was the area of like, like, like so there digital was like, A-tracks. If you yeah. were like, you know, like a, a producer, you know, with a home studio, like that's what you got. You got a digital A-track. Yeah. I mean, I had a... Which I want to get now because <laughs> yeah. it's still perfect for my MPC. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I had a Windows 98 tower, which I still have, actually. I still have the same computer. Nice. Um, And I got a sound card on it and just got Magic's Audio Studio Deluxe 7. Oh, man. And uh, yeah, that's I started tracking out all of the the beats into that. So when I was like learning how to, uh, basically when I was getting into making beats, I was also learning how to run a DAW at the same time. Right. I, like did, I started right. with both simultaneously. W- what I did w- was when I was getting serious about like making beats, um, I had the SP four hundred four, and that only has one output. It has one RCA output. So I was just running that to my sound card, to a you know an audio interface, into Audacity, and that's how I was doing everything. It was just you know, make the beat in the four hundred four, push play and record put, it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, just track it out. You know, you, you you couldn't even like. There is a pattern sequencer, but there's not like a song mode. Okay. So you have to trigger the patterns live. Yeah. You know, kind of like and make an arrangement sort of on the spot. So, you know, I would, I would go in and I, you know, do a couple takes, you know, I'd, I'd figure out like how I wanted the song to progress a little bit, you know, and it's, it's, we're just talking about like beats at that point. So it's not, you know, we're not, it's not really like intricate song structures. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a loop and, you know, a variation maybe. Yeah. It's not a rush song. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not that, <laughs> it's not that complicated. Yeah. That machine is great for, you know, very like raw ideas. But then uh, later, you know, like 
it's kind of on the fritz now, so I can't really use it. But um, yeah, that's, late, how, that's how that ES one is. Yeah. It's insane if you turn it on. Oh god, I need to I need to clean that thing out. <laughs> um, it's, it, there's probably a lot of dust in there. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, it, I would just you know make the you know simple beats then, and then later I kind of progressed, and once I you know stepped to machine, stepped to the MPC, and started picking up like more advanced sampling techniques kind of out of necessity to work those things. Yeah. I could go back to the 404 and make things that, you know, like convincingly sound like they were made on uh, another piece of hardware that's not as limited just because I know the kind of like the, the ins and outs of it. Yeah. I really like using multiple pieces of hardware to like put together a, a final product. You know, I don't know if yeah. you really, that's another thing that's really cool too about working within a DAW is like, you know, like, cause what I do a ton is I will compose like a lot of synth parts in machine, but I'll just kind of write them out. Mm-hmm. But then whenever I track everything, I like will pull an actual keyboard or get like a bass or a guitar and replace those parts that were written in machine. Right. Like when I'm tracking it out. Right. And, and I you, use you machine me that as like for, for the making of your album. Yeah. 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 I use machine as just like the skeleton basically. I never really yeah. do like a final product in machine, but I think it's great for like sketch pads. Yeah, and like the sampling features in it are super awesome too. So, yeah, and but being that you know my music is all sample based, like yeah, ninety ninety five percent samples. You know, it's it makes sense for me to use just like a you know, machine. Like oh, that. totally, it's totally, like, totally. It's right there. You know, it's, do it's you all... ever um like have you ever experimented with adding in other instruments on top of the samples, or do you like to keep? Oh, yeah, it? I, mean, I have I have a microcorg. You know, I have I have. You know, I've had some things laying around, you know. Um, but for the most part, I keep it to samples. Um, sometimes I'll work with, you know, I'm, I'm starting to do this a little bit more is I'm trying to like work with people who are instrumentalists, you know, to kind of like add things. Or um, I've, I'm doing some, I've done a couple tracks so far with uh, my friend Buscrates, uh, mm-hmm. Buscrates 16 bit ensemble, um, if you guys know him. And he, you know, he's really in right now into like, keyboards and you know like layering roads and you know synth on top of you know like a sample bass beat and you know kind of blurring the line between those things but it's it's you know sometimes i feel like um for the kind of music i make having sort of a a live instrumental um element in addition to like a sample based element it's it's a fine line between that being cool and being kind of kitschy sure because I I feel like there's this um there's definitely like a stigma against sampling and a stigma that like you know sampling isn't being a real musician and so I sort of feel like sometimes when people you know like add live instrumentation it kind of a it does something different aesthetically um which isn't good or bad it's just not what I'm looking for mm-hmm. in my my style particularly and b sometimes it can say at least to me like in hip hop especially like it, it's you know this stab at like legitimacy, like we're legitimate because we use, you know, real instruments and you guys don't. And I definitely see some people like who have that kind of attitude. Oh, you think so? Yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm, not you, not you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> but but I, I definitely see that. I definitely see that sometimes where it's like, you know, guys are, um, you know, they're just like looking to prove themselves and looking to, you know, to be more musical than the next person. Well, I think that it's just about, you know, whatever you genuinely want to do. Yeah. You know, that's the that's, thing. That's, that's like, the bottom line. Yeah. That's definitely the bottom line. But like for me, I, like, like, I just, I just don't know that like I have like this, uh, this really specific vision 
and that sometimes when I hear people who are like using live instrumentation in a hip hop context, I know that there's sort of like that pretense there. And I, I want to make sure that like very, very sure if I'm doing that, if I'm you know incorporating any of those like live elements that it's, it makes sense. And there are definitely guys out there who I think are doing like a great job at that right now. Um, like a lot of, you know, musicians and a lot of instrumentalists now have a, a better understanding of, you know, like vintage recording techniques or, you know, can really nail that sound with, you know, the, the technology that's available to, available to us now. Um, some guys, you know, are, are taking it in, you know, a more stripped down direction. It's not about like cleaning up things that are dirty. It's about like dirtying things that are clean, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, one guy I really admire is J zone who is like playing, you know, live drums on his records. Now he went from, you know, like sampling drum breaks and, you know, and chopping up drums to, you know, learning how to play the drums so he could chop it up himself. And it's, it sounds convincing. It sounds completely accurate. It doesn't sound like, you know, like a drummer, you know, like recorded under like pristine conditions playing like funk cadences and it doesn't quite sound right because it's so clean. You know, it sounds like chicken grease and, and, you know, like (laughs) humid air. It's, it's great. You know? So I I think it's, it's, it's just a balancing act. It's just, you know, it's really understanding what's natural to you. What's like, what speaks to you, you know, and, and not doing something to be contrived, not doing yeah, exactly. just to like, you know, prove something to somebody else. I think, I, I mean, I do see that there are, there have been people I've seen that do like the live band rap thing. And it does seem kind of contrived because it doesn't feel like it's very well put together. They always like a lot of the times it seems like it can very, be just really thrown yeah. together. Like, like the roots were, and it still works because like at the core of it, you have like quest love who's this, you know, obsessive, you know, like musical dictionary. And, you know, he under, he really fundamentally understands like what makes like a hip hop beat work. Mm -hmm. He's not like, you know, a a jazz drummer. who's like, well, I can do hip hop better than you guys can. It's, 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 he understands it like very thoroughly. Yeah. I think a lot of stuff about music that it's not about, how technical a song is or how uh complicated something is to play it's just like the feel of the song yeah most of the times it's the most important thing i feel it feel is, is of the utmost yeah without know, that everything else kind of doesn't matter i run into complications with technicality and music because you know outside of the hip-hop stuff i play in metal bands mm-hmm. and metal guitar players sometimes have a really bad habit of wanting to cram so much stuff into a a part of a song and always trying to be flashy and like i need to you know like yeah and i can't just like it's hard sometimes for guitar players and metal bands that i've worked with to take a step back and really think about the rest of the song Mm -hmm. and what uh what's going to work for the whole song, even if yeah. what they're playing is very, very simple. Right. It doesn't matter if your guitar part's simple. If it makes the song sound better, do it. It's a part. You play in it's a band. The, the, yeah, the whole, the, yeah. The, the whole idea is what's best for the, the song as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as a... Because like I come from an instrumental music background also. I just don't do that as much anymore. Um, for various reasons. Uh, but... I get it. You know, I get that impulse of like, well, there is X amount of space here. I can fit, you know, 
these money notes. I mean, and there's a place for it. I love like really technical stuff. I love listening yeah. to crazy freak out records. Oh, uh, yeah. But like absolutely a place for that. But I think there's also a place for like playing your part, especially for me as a bass player. That was a lesson I had to learn because, you know, I was, you know, young a young kid and I was enamored with, you know, all of these, you know, like really flashy, like immaculate technical bass players. And I wanted to do that stuff. It was in my ear. I could hear it. My fingers weren't quite there. Uh-huh. You know, my, my sense of time wasn't quite there yet. And, you know, like all of my mentors, all of the people, you know, all my teachers, you know, were t- just telling me over and over again, you know, just keep it simple, lay back. Like, you don't have to do that much. And as I started listening to them, <laughs> I got better. <laughs> Funny how that works sometimes. You know? Yeah. Now, so you've never had any passion to rap personally. I mean, you ever thought about it? You ever write anything? Oh, of course, I wrote. I wrote stuff. Yeah, like because <laughs> I think it's impossible to be like you know fourteen years old, like listening to Elmatic and being like, well, you know, I'm just not going to write anything. Yeah, you know, that's not going to happen. Uh-huh. You're going to pick up a pen. You know, got hot magma bars. Like it's 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 about to go down. But um, I never really got past that point. There there weren't really like when I was in school and stuff. You know, it wasn't like they were really like ciphers or anything you know um it wasn't like i wasn't really i was too young to be plugged into like the hip-hop scene then you know and i didn't really know anybody around me um who was into the kind of stuff i was into you know because when i was you know like really getting into hip-hop it was you know the lil wayne era you know (laughs) that was the biggest thing and it was like something like my daddy era yeah yeah (laughs) go dj yeah, before like it was it was like right before like Drake really blew up. Oh God, yeah, and th- and that kind of changed everything after that. But it was it was kind of in this transitional point, like hip hop was between like you know kind of like the ringtone rap era and like the new sort of like whatever you want to call it now. Like there are, there are a million styles out now that are all new and were around like eight years ago. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so, you know, everybody, all my friends were kind of, like, into that. Or maybe that, you know, they like Tribe Called Quest, maybe. But that was, you know, about as far back as they were going to go. And, you know, I was I was sitting there, like, you know, like, listening to Diamond D. And, you know, I couldn't I couldn't relate uh-huh. to a lot of kids. So I was I was really just kind of in the lab. I was really just kind of, it was, it was, it was a solitary pursuit as well. Because one thing that was cool about it at first was, about producing, was that, um, I could just do it by myself. I could just, you know, be alone, be in my own space. Didn't have to deal with pressure from teachers to create music because I was at Kappa doing music. I didn't have to deal with, you know, other people's schedules. And, you know, it was, it was for that time in my life and what I was going through, you know, just being, you know, an, an angsty teen, it was kind of, it was kind of exactly what I needed. Sure. Just like that escape because music used to be my escape when I was in like middle school and then, you know, going to an arts high school, you know that that idea of like playing music to to escape and to you know, get away from like the stress of being in school evaporates because now that's you know another thing that you're stressed out about. You know, am I good enough? Am I as good as the next person? Like, do people think that I'm talented? You know, because you're you're a teenager, you care about that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I had this this whole new outlet. You know, it wasn't performative. I think that's another reason I didn't get into rapping because it wasn't like at that point. You know, I wasn't playing sets really. I wasn't like performing as a producer you know that 
hadn't really opened up to me yet. What had it, what encouraged you to perform as a producer? Necessity. Necessity. How, how, why was it necessary? Necessary. I can't talk. Um, just because like, just to meet people and get out there, you know, because I, I didn't really, I, I always had this vision in my head, you know, when I was younger of like finding like that one MC and we would just be a unit, you know, it would just be like <laughs> Gangstar, Pete and CL, you know, show and AG. Sure. I want, I wanted that, you know, Mad Lib and MF Doom, like whatever, you know, I wanted that kind of relationship with somebody. And I, I didn't find that. I never really found that. Um, I've met a lot of like super talented people. Don't get me wrong. I've worked with a lot of like super talented people, yeah. but I haven't like found anybody where, you know, we're just so much on the same page that it's, it's like, well, we have to be a group now. Yeah. You know, and I think, um, so at first it was that. And, and at first also, you know, I didn't know as many people as I do now, you know, just flat out. And you probably wouldn't have met them if you weren't playing shows. Right. So I think I was starting, you know, I was getting better at, at making beats. I was getting better at, at, at producing and I wanted you know, to, to be more serious about it. I wanted to take it out. And, um, you know, so I just kind of started putting feelers out there. Um, I remember showing up to like an open mic night at, um, Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, rest in peace. Oh Yeah. Um, on, but long on live Millie's. Yeah. Millie's is fire. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is actually really fire. So I can't, <laughs> can't even be mad. Also, all of my friends who worked at Oh Yeah got stiffed, so I'm not like that sad about it. Dude, oh, oh Yeah was awesome like eight years ago, but that place went the fuck downhill so hard. Not yeah. to go off on a, a tangent about Oh Yeah ice cream. But anyway, but one time I brought an SP404 out there. <laughs> So that was that was a thing uh, that happened. Um, what else did I do? Like, you know, I, I, would, I would my friends were like throwing um, house parties in in South Oakland, and I would you know I was always talking about making beats anyway, and I would you know like make stuff and just like show it to everybody because you know you're you're that hungry about it at that point in the game. Yeah, and people and then eventually they would just say you know well I have this coming up. Do you like do you want to play a set? And I'd be like. Yeah, and you know, just kind of started meeting people that way. You know, I would have loved for it to be a thing where you know, like like I said, where I had you know a partner or like an MC, but that just never really materialized like the way I, I envisioned it. In a way, I think it was maybe a little better that it didn't. Well, exactly, exactly. It was serendipitous because, like, as I found out later, you know, there are so many avenues musically that you can go down as like a producer who isn't working with vocalists, you know, compared to a producer who is working with vocalists. Yeah. Primarily. Yeah. And that that goes back to like one thing I've talked about a lot, which is, you know, kind of like the, the bias against hip hop in in Pittsburgh uh, sometimes. And, you know, it's, it's harder if you have a vocalist, if you have a rapper who's a part of your performance, right. And you get in contact with a venue and you want to book a show. They're going to, you know, they might turn you down. They might, you know, charge you more for security for any number of reasons compared to if I played the same beats, you know, in a beat set and, you know, there's like two house producers going on after me. Yeah. You know, so it's, so it's, it's a different dynamic. It's a, and it opened up doors for me that, 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 you know, 
wouldn't be available to me otherwise. And it opened me up musically just, you know, by being around people who were doing more of that kind of thing to things that I wouldn't have necessarily gotten into otherwise, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it didn't go the way I expected, but it, it ultimately was good. It was ultimately led me to, you know, you know, be able to have experiences I wouldn't have otherwise. And now I'm in a position where, you know, I've, you know, done, you know, stuff in, in other worlds and I've, you know, you know, had a, you know, a couple, a couple wins under my belt and now I can just go back and make rap records. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Cause I know that there was a few things that you released some tracks that aren't so hip hop related. Yeah. But I mean, like they're getting, it's just, getting well, attention and, and, from yeah and, and, another and demographic and of people yeah and it's also it being i want to make it clear that it's you know it's i made those i mean make house music out of passion i make you know dance music because i like making it and because i like the music and i would never just do something because like so what well i'm not really feeling this but like i need to you know make a buzz for myself now whatever so might as well just go for it like, i don't <laughs> i don't make music like that whenever you do the house stuff is it still sample based yes are there a lot of house producers that do sample based stuff like that? Or is that like a unique twist? Um, I would say like there, there's, there's a lot of sample based house producers. I mean, like sampling is, is so ubiquitous in, in music production, right? Like if you're sampling an 808, it's the same thing as sampling, you know, a drum break on a record. Sure. Well, fundamentally, technologically, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just, you're putting a sound into the machine, into the program and the program's playing it back for you. Yeah, that's all sampling is. But um, as far as people who have the kind of approach that I have, and, I mean, like, like are the, you the like chop, like, like you're like chopping up records and stuff? Yeah, you hip hop like sample base, like digging, you know, that kind of approach to it. There's a few guys. Um, there's definitely like like the some of the Detroit guys, like Moody Man, Theo Parrish. I. Pff. It's they're, a they're, world I don't know nothing yeah, about. They're a big inspiration to me. Um, some of the French guys, uh, Pepe Braddock, um, Alan Brax, uh, Daft Punk. There's one. I've heard of them. Yeah, like, like <laughs> you know, they were all, you know, using, like, samples in, in their compositions. Uh, but I wanted to kind of, when I was started to make house tunes, I wanted to take that approach um, and just make it just a little bit more hip-hop. Just a little bit, you know. I wanted to kind of take some of the, like the old school hip hop sampling techniques that I learned from guys like Pete Rock and you know the Beat Miners and Buck Wild and Lord Finesse and all those dudes um, who I look up to, and I wanted to take that and put it kind of in a dance context. So it's it's a similar sound and a similar approach, and I'm taking from you know similar records that they would use. Um, sometimes even you know like. I'll sample prog rock records, you know, which nobody sure. in, in house music samples, but like a lot of people in hip hop sample, you know, and I'll try to do something with that. That's danceable. The cool thing I would imagine about working with house music is working in different tempos yeah. that you probably don't normally get to explore yeah. when you're doing hip hop. Cause like, I mean, like, a lot of, a lot of rappers right nowadays, like it's not, they, they rap over, you know, slower or like mid-tempo productions yeah like 60 to 80 bpm type stuff yeah yeah and whereas you know 25 years ago or whatever you have like big big daddy kane oh like yeah on those like 100 bpm yeah like, yeah those like 100 to 120 bpm yeah, like, like crazy like, duh, 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 
Oh yeah, like 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 jungle beats. Yeah, like like borderline, borderline. I mean, that's what jungle came out of because hip hop was at that tempo. Uh huh. You know, back in the day. Um. Yeah, so so it is it is fun, like you know, working in that range of like a hundred up. You know. Yeah. For sure, and it's also you know in, in terms of just like performing and you know playing sets it's 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 a totally different reaction when you play like up tempo music as opposed to you know like mid tempo like hip hop oh stuff. sure you're probably playing hip hop shows like when you and play you got, like, like a bunch of dudes like just kind of like bobbing, bobbing their, their head, head getting yeah. into it but nobody's really like dancing yeah like, like yeah like like the best i can hope for like <laughs> playing like like a down tempo kind of hip hop set is like you have people who are, you know, just rolling out of their mind and just like <laughs> wiggling around, just vibing out. Does man. it happen? Of course. Oh, God. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> come on. And like, what? Do you think I play like only sober raves? Come on. <laughs> um, whereas, you know, when, when you play like house music, when you play like up tempo stuff, um, even like up tempo funk music too, it, it, it's just like, visceral you just yeah. see it on the floor it's like, like i've only the only the live settings i've only seen you in are at hip-hop shows so yeah. i haven't been to another event that you play that's more dance oriented yeah or really, drug oriented <laughs> i mean I don't know, at a certain level like isn't everything drug oriented <laughs> <laughs> no but um yeah, I, mean, I guess. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you've seen me more at hip hop functions than other things because I do have to tailor my sets a little bit, you know, from from like crowd to crowd. Um, I always try to you know throw in a good dose of just hip hop and you know jazz and you know like sometimes I'll play like like hybrid sets or most of the time really I try to put in like other people's music at some point, you know, like old records, things I collect, just to you know give people a frame of reference for what I'm doing. Yeah. Because I want them to hear, you know, like the unaltered, like original versions of things, you know, and kind of draw that connection. Like, oh, he's taking like from from these elements and he's, you know, doing something to it. Yeah. Even if they don't like really get what I'm doing. I just want to like plant that seed there. And then sometimes I'll, you know, I'll come out with, you know, the MPC and just a creative records and I'll just like hook up the MP to, you know, the, the DJ mixer in the booth and uh, just go back and forth like that. So like then it's a little bit more explicit, you know. I can I can start like it's really you know it gives me a lot of different options. Just you know I can I can play ambient music in between songs. You know I can I can really I can really go out there if I want to, just because I'm not limited to only the music I'm making, mm-hmm. and I'm not limited to you know one genre or one BPM in a lot of my sets. You know I kind of go all over the place as long as it's cohesive and it kind of makes sense to people yeah. in some way. You know, you, in can, some way. you can follow it. Uh huh. I think that um, instrumental music is it's it's pretty. I don't know if I'm just thinking in my head. I wanted to say I think it's like easier to get people to pay attention to it, or maybe it's easier to get people on board with it because sometimes if you have a vocalist, if their voice or the things that they're talking about aren't what the person uh, aren't what the listener is interested in they might brush it off altogether and like kind of like completely ignore the production. It's definitely a dual edged sword. It depends on like what kind of listener you have. Like, because some people are are definitely like attracted to the vocals and the lyrics first. But I mean like with hip hop, like how many people do you know will listen to a rapper 
or a hip hop artist and be like, I don't really like him, but the beats are good on that album. Basically just me. Yeah. <laughs> Basically just me. I mean, as a producer, you can do that, I'm sure. But like the normal listener, like there'll be people that'll listen to like a rock band and can like maybe just listen to it for the music. Cause like sometimes the vocal plays as an instrument, yeah. but in hip hop, the vocals don't really play as an instrument. Well, I think that's changing now. I think that's changing now because you have a lot of rappers, you know, who, I mean, like, aren't saying words. They're they're making. Yeah, of, yeah. I guess that's true. And it, they just become another layer of the production. And that's like on a case for case basis for me uh, as to how much I like that. You know, some people like I think it's cool. Some people I think it's kind of stupid. But you can see that trend. You know, it's it's um, it's definitely a thing where people are just focusing in on the music more and they don't care as much about like the vocal but sometimes it also works you know in a way that people care about the vocal first and everything else doesn't matter to them yeah or it's of like secondary or tertiary oh yeah some people don't really think much about it it's just kind of like the vocal melody is good and then everything else it's just like there's a lot of especially in like popular rap there's a Mm -hmm. lot of really minimal production where yeah. like all there is there is the vocal melody. Yeah, like 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 the Drake records and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like you know, like drums, you know, kind of like washed out, reverb, you know, kind of a, a low pad, uh-huh. and then the vocal. And the, the the vocal was it. It's like yeah, the whole it's the start the whole of the track. show. And, yeah. So I guess, in that like, way, I guess the vocal is the instrument. I guess it depends because like, I think i don't know there's there's a lot of there's I guess, a lot of nuance to that issue of like do people value vocals over music well i guess i when i was thinking like rapper when i was talking hip-hop i was thinking more like super lyrical hip-hop yeah and if that's if you would consider that an instrument versus that yeah. i mean it's like if you're talking about like something that's like super heady lyrical hip-hop if it's an instrument then it's like it's like a guitar solo throughout the whole song. Right. Because people yeah. were just like freaking out this, on all these the metaphors. I've, I've had with, with people before. Um, you know, there, there's definitely a difference in the way the hip hop world op- operates and like a hip hop show operates and, you know, a dance show operates. And I've had these conversations with people in the dance world where they say, well, you know, I've tried to book hip hop acts before or I've, you know, tried to get like an MC on, you know, this night. And it broke up the vibe a little bit because people, you know, all of a sudden have to focus on one person as opposed to just kind of like focusing in general on the atmosphere and the music. Yeah, I think just by default, having a microphone in my hand, it's kind of like, look at me. I'm I'm on a. So, so some sort of a podium. Yeah. So in terms of like, like people like going out, you know, drinking, socializing, dancing, a lot of the time instrumental music is going to have a, a better chance of, of fulfilling that function mm-hmm. of just, you know, kind of being atmosphere music of being like party music. People just kind of like are listening to it maybe a little bit more passively and it allows them to focus on the atmosphere of the event or whatever. But I think that the paradox there is that most of your casual listeners are more concerned with, like you said, like vocal melody and lyrics so when they go home and they're listening to music or they're in, they're in the car or working out or whatever, they want to hear something with lyrics. So it's that kind of like, you know, weird paradox that people want to go out and party to, th- that, to stuff that doesn't have words or has words that are, you know, unintrusive and don't make them think. Yeah. Or even... But when they're, you know, like listening to music on their own, 
they want words because they want to relate to that. So it's, it's kind of a, like a weird, weird phenomenon there. Even if it's not words, like I was just thinking about like, like if you have an instrumental beat, but say it has like a vocal sample in it or something that's chopped that you kind of create a pseudo melody or weird rhythm out of, chances yeah. are that's going to be the part in the beat that stands out the most and becomes catchy and is like memorable. Yeah. You know, like a weird just vocal sample. Yeah, like it's um, still a voice. Like like that that Avalanche's record. Yeah, like the the first one. I haven't listened to the new one. Um, like the 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 single on that is is what uh like Frontier Psychiatrist, and people you know it's 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 an instrumental you know work. It's all sample based. It's it's not a, like a vocalist performing on it. Yeah, but people you know it, it caught on because like that that hook you know that boy needs therapy. It's like uh-huh. catchy to people. <laughs> you know, like yeah. It's kind of it's kind of weird like that, you know. And yeah, I mean, people just people want a hook. People want something that they can say. They want a catchphrase. Sometimes they want something, you know, a mantra. It's it's I don't know. Do you think so about? It, uh, do you focus on like hooks and whatnot when you're composing music, or do you just think about just making a piece whenever like vocal stuff? hooks, just hooks in general, so like some type general. of a hook when you're composing a beat? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, coming from like the the hip hop like beat world um a lot of the time you're thinking in sort of like short loops and phrases and so the hook isn't like you know the chorus it's not a new it's not necessarily a new music part yeah all the time it's just the like the insistent sort of skeletal groove that's there Uh you know um so yeah i mean i'm thinking about hooks but like the hook is the basis of the whole song it's you know it's it's really about creating something that's like hypnotic you know a lot of the time with like with electronic music for me it's it's about like the texture and like the the arrangement and the layering of it you know but but fundamentally what has to be there is something that like catches your ear yeah that you you know wouldn't mind listening to on repeat for a couple minutes you know? <laughs> because that's that's the nature of it uh-huh you know and if that isn't there then the whole thing falls apart so yeah, I, I focus on hooks in that way. I would say. So whenever you're composing music, you're thinking of like, you're not thinking of like an intro, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, later. bridge. That comes you, later. You'll do that later. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the first thing I have to establish is like, what is the main part of this song? What's the main loop of this song? What is? Like, I got you, and then you'll try to piece it right. out from there right and then you can you know you can build up you can you know, break down you can have a different section in there you can program something new you can have you can do whatever you want yeah i mean that's kind of basically what we did when we did yeah that, like, like, that I, remix. I, like i came in with like 16 bars and then you know we, we tracked it out and you know we started like you know throwing ideas out there and you'd say like well we need like let's switch up the drums here and i you know bring in something and then you know we, we worked like that mm-hmm you know, synergistically, and at the end of it, we had a song. Yeah, you know, uh huh. And yeah, that's that's kind of what I try to do at the, at the end. Like you, you create, you know, like a handful of things or like ideas that you know kind of stand alone, and then you massage it into you know a piece. <laughs> totally. It's like it's taking like, taking like a little ball of, of play doh <laughs> and just making a snake out of it. You know, uh huh. That's basically what I'm doing. <laughs> so. I've seen you and like other people starting to become a lot more vocal in like defending hip hop and uh the local scene 
and like younger people in the scene versus old people. Oh, you know, there's all this stuff. We got to talk about it. We got to touch on this stuff. Defend your tweets. <laughs> so where is this coming from? Because admittedly, that's the thing. The thing with me and my involvement in the local hip hop community is like pretty minimal because, you know, I play hip hop shows every once in a while, mm-hmm. but that's only like one third of what I do. Right. Cause sometimes I play hip hop shows with the band with other rock bands or I'm playing shows with my metal band and that's not at a rap show at all. Yeah. You know, so it's not super, super often that I'm playing like, a rap show like a full rap set with just like me and a mic and beats with other rappers doing that right i try to go out to events when i can and stuff like that yeah um and i do but ultimately i'm like pretty removed from it so back your involvement based on just interest and you know yeah i mean interest and availability because of all the other shit i've going right exactly exactly you can't be everywhere at once but because and usually the event, hip hop events that I do play tend to be with cool people, right? You know, like like minded folk in the city that mm-hmm. me and you are both friends with and we've known for some time. Mm-hmm. But I do know, and I've coming to understand, there's some people that might not be so cool in the city or have some views that are kind of negative. And I'm curious about like what some of those experiences are that you or people that you know have been going through to, yeah. Uh, to encourage some of this online vocabulary I've been seeing. Oh, it's, um, okay. I think right now Pittsburgh hip hop is in a, a very tough spot on the whole. Um, the, the last sort of dedicated venue, the last home for hip hop in the city, the shadow lounge is no longer, it's been gone for three years now. Uh, for those who aren't familiar and it was sort of the the gathering point, the focal point of Pittsburgh hip-hop. Everybody was through there at one point or another. It brought a lot of people together. It brought a lot of people from disparate genres together. Um, there are, you know, like jazz musicians who are cool with, you know, hip-hop producers and MCs now because they were all hanging out at the Shadow Lounge. Yeah. And that doesn't really happen anymore. Um, so I think what happened after the Shadow Lounge closed was that a lot of the elders of the scene, a lot of the the people who are really knowledgeable, down-earth, good folks, um, suddenly had to you know, make this decision that, you know, well, do I continue? Do I, you know, involve myself in, you know, building up something new from the ground up again? Or do I live my life? Do I, you know, be an adult? Do I, you know, like take care of my kids, you know, get a, a nine to five, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, I think a lot of people had to make that choice. A lot of people had to say, well, like I love hip hop, you know, I love, you know, the culture, I love the art form, but now it's, it's not something I can do all the time. So I think that, um, we're left with relatively few people who have, you know, like the, the requisite, experience their requisite passion the requisite knowledge to really be you know elders in the scene you have you know relatively relatively few people who are like really still around and and really you know making an effort to to reach out um to to younger folk and i think that on the other side of that you have some people who are around who are you know have been around for a number of years who are still active 
who don't have that knowledge, really, who don't have that you know, real expertise or you know, ability to be an effective mentor who are in positions of power now or who can, you know, like book shows, you know, who can like throw these like local showcases and do pay to play showcases, you know, kind of like, you know, like kind of honestly exploit rappers a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I just see a lot of people who are like around who, you know, pull rank and, you know, like, Oh, I've been here X, X amount of years. And I, you know, you can't question how I do things as opposed to people who are, you know, just like genuine, good-hearted people who have, you know, experience on their side. That's the thing. When I, when I, I guess when I talk out against, you know, like, you know, the, this old head straw man, I, I'm just, I'm just speaking of like a place of frustration sometimes because I, I, I see like those kind of people sometimes more than I see people who are like just really solid you know, and just want to see the next generation come up and, you know, guide them a little bit. It's okay to have your opinions. It's like, I'm not, I'm not asking everybody, you know, you have to like young thug, (laughs) you know, I just, um, or or whatever it is. I I just like to see more of my elders, I guess, step up and and really be mentors. Yeah. But, but also I'd like to see more of my peers, more people, my age, step up and, and be willing to be mentored because that's, that's the thing. Like it's, I think it's, um, creating a hip hop scene that works is a intergenerational process. Creating something that, that benefits everybody is, is something that we all have to strive toward. And the more we, you know, kind of segregate ourselves and say, well, like, Oh, these old people don't know what they're doing they're irrelevant, blah, blah, blah. And the more, or the more we say, you know, these young kids are stupid. You know, they're just listening to this garbage. They're never going to get it. We're just kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah. You can't, you can't allow yourself to be defined by the things that you don't like. Yeah. And you can't be so like anytime you're opening up your mouth to reach out to somebody, it's because I don't like what you're doing. I don't like what, you know, I don't, I don't support this. I think that more people need to just, if they're going to take the time to open up their mouths and talk to people, it should be about something positive or sharing with them what they like rather than what mm-hmm. they don't like. You know what I mean? Rather yeah. than like an old head looking down on a younger person and be like, oh, like the stuff you're listening to is crap. Maybe be like, hey, like, I don't know if you ever heard this, but have you heard any of this old stuff or this or like, this is the way we did things rather than you're doing things wrong and we're not going to offer any advice to. And I think, I think, I mean, it's, it's never that extreme, you know, but I do kind of see it sometimes. Like it's it's more of a feeling. I went to see, okay. Like I went to see EPMD and I love EPMD legendary group. One of the greatest of all time. Nothing bad to say about them, but when they were on stage and they had a great show, they did have a great show. They were on stage, you know, and most of their audience is, you know, getting older. Most of their audience is in their, you know, thirties and forties, you know, they grew up with this music and they're up there kind of, you know, preaching to the choir and saying, you know, you know, we're here for real hip hop, blah, blah, blah. Like Like, what is real hip hop? This music that the young kids are, are listening to is stupid. You know, like they're, they're actually up there saying that. And, you know, 
that's not hyperbole. Like I, I don't want to you know talk shit on EPMD, but like they did go up there and say that. You know, yeah. You know, and and so when I raise the issue that you know, like sometimes you know, like there's this patronizing attitude on the part of our elders toward you know the younger generation. You know, people tell me that oh, you rule. You know, that's that's not everybody. But then you go to the EPMD show <laughs> and like in front of you know like. 500 people you know eric smith is uh, i mean eric sermon i'm sorry not eric sermon parish smith um eric you know is, is is up there telling you like you know like these kids don't know anything about real hip-hop or, or whatever and and you know how do you call that anything but patronizing especially coming from a generation where you know that whenever they were younger and coming up they had people telling them that what they were doing probably wasn't right. music right and now they're going to do the same thing to the people that are in the same position they were in 20 right. years ago. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's, I guess that's what I'm reacting to. I'm like, for me personally, like when I speak out about these issues, I, I, I kind of say things with the, like the, under the assumption that people know where I'm coming from musically. Yeah. Because if you know my music, you know what I'm into, you know, that I'm like, I obviously have way more in common with people who are, you know, 20, 30 years older than me musically <laughs> than I do with, with people who are my age. Yeah, sure. It's not like... It's, you know, I, like... You're, so I'm, I'm never trying to say, like, oh, that, that old shit's whack. Ever. Ever, ever. I would never say that. But I think some of those old attitudes are whack. I think some of those old attitudes are, are really pretty terrible and, and destructive sometimes. But sometimes it it also, you know... There's a pro and a con to it because those those old dogmatic attitudes can inhibit development, inhibit progression, but they can also maintain a certain standard of quality. That's what I see in jazz. Okay, you know, we're, we're like it's it's even more inherently dogmatic than hip hop is because you know you actually there are standards that everybody has to learn. There, you know, you, you need to check out this player and this player and this player. Like there's you know sort of like a checklist more explicitly than there ever has been in hip hop. And the result is that, you know, at, at a certain level, like you just have to be able to play this stuff or you can't hang. And, you know, that I think that curbs creativity to a certain extent, but it also makes sure that, you know, if somebody is coming up to play at a jam session, you know, they're probably at least at a certain threshold and that doesn't exist in hip hop. So like, I, I understand where the older generation is coming from in terms of like having standards, but I think that standards, you know, are something that you can really only apply in a live situation. You know, the studio is the studio. Everything you make in the studio is a lie anyway. Especially in rap. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 all just, you know, it's manipulation of, of you know, like, of sound to create a specific aural image. It's it's not necessarily an accurate reflection of, of how talented you are inherently or no. you know how you perform live not anymore <laughs> or, or Definitely whatever you know not. It's, it's not it's not you know like 1920 where you know they're sticking betsy smith in front of you know the the recorder and saying you know <laughs> okay just sing now yeah but in a funny way <laughs> as far as recording hip-hop for some people the studio is actually 100% a representation of their live performance because they're just going to rap on top of their vocal tracks. Yes. Oh, man. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, and that's 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 one thing. Like, I, I really, you know, I I try to speak out about is, is you know, the, the rapping on your vocal tracks thing. Um, 
no, don't do it. If you're, if you're, if you're listening to this and, and don't do it, I guarantee you any, but if anybody's still listening to this conversation right now, they're probably on the level. Yeah. No, they, no, they they'd have to be. I think we lost them like a long time. Yeah. Anybody ago. that, uh, raps on top of their vocal tracks probably turned this off when he started talking about a 404 yeah <laughs> so yeah it's um, fine yeah so like it, it's it's um it's a balancing act and i know you know after making you know x amount of negative posts myself you know I, it just drains the the energy out of you and you know i just at a certain point i just want to talk about music i like yeah you know? But yeah, I think I think that's ultimately that's kind of where my head is is gradually going. It's it's less like I, it's less the attitude of like I need to put this on my back and I need to you know to do whatever I can because I have a unique position in you know this local music matrix, being involved in hip hop, being involved in dance music, and being somebody with it with a past in you know as a student of jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a unique perspective, and sometimes you know I feel like I need to use that platform to speak, and sometimes I I actually do, and sometimes it's valuable, and sometimes I just end up making myself miserable, and nothing changes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that kind of goes back to me saying, like you know, just trying really hard not to define yourself by what you don't like. Yeah, you know, it's if you have an opinion about something, put it out there, but you can't let yourself become one of those people that is constantly. Sharing, yeah. yeah, sharing uh, like offensive, be- like not offense, uh, whatever. Just don't be complaining all the time, basically. Well, I mean, don't, not, I'm not yeah. saying that you are. Don't complain you know? if, if you're not contributing. Yeah. Okay, not, that's even better. Yeah. Because I, I always make try to make sure you know that like if I'm if I'm bitching about something, then like you know I have I have product out. Like I'm I'm making stuff. I'm not just kind of like yeah. I I was in an Uber. And the driver, like some, like they always like want to fucking talk to you, right? Like, well, you know, like, what do you like? What do you do? What are you into? I'm and a so, DJ. You know, sometimes like that's what I say. I'm a DJ. Yeah. Sometimes I say like, you know, I do this and that. I might talk about my music, and sometimes I don't. Sometimes just like I, I work in an uh, in an office, and yeah, I, you know, I just play the normal cards i don't feel like having a conversation yeah but i was in an uber with someone and it got brought up that i was a rapper okay and of course my driver knows rappers and rapped 10 years ago and blah 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 Mm -hmm. and all this stuff and i'm like that's cool and then he gets into the whole talk about how there's no good hip-hop in pittsburgh and stuff like that and i'm like okay well and i start bringing up different events he's like yeah i was at that event i went there you know it was it was whack i don't like it Nobody comes out to events, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you ever think about, you know, telling your friends to come out to stuff? It's like, I don't want to bring out my, I don't want to tell my friends to come out to whack events because they're, you know, they're not good events. And it's like, well, if you tell your friends to come out to events that are whack because there's nobody there, you'll have friends there. And if your friends tell people to bring friends, more people will show up and then the event will be Mm -hmm. less whack since your standards of a whack event depend on the attendance and not the quality of yeah. content that's happening at the yeah. event you know it's just like you can get faded anywhere but basically you know if you don't care about music just consider going out to something that you would normally go out to because you don't care about music it's yeah, okay you know, give this, us your money give this, us your money <laughs> this dude was just like just seemed like somebody that wanted to complain for the sake of complaining yeah and it 
it was, it's obnoxious to me because there's yeah. so much there's so much good stuff out there oh yeah i, I think like, like my problem with pittsburgh has never been you know like oh man there's nobody talented out here it's just like two people who are good it's never been that it's been like man there are a million people that are good and like most of them are just in different little pockets and they don't really like talk to each other or collaborate i think i was like i was i remember being outside of spirit once and I was, you know, hanging out with with some people like I knew from electronic music at one of the picnic benches, and there were like some like hip hop homies at another one of the picnic benches. And I think somebody on the electronic bench was talking about like, "Man, we need to expand this and get all these people on board." Blah blah blah. And I was like, "You realize that there's like a whole picnic table, like full of people who are like doing stuff actively, like right there, and you're not going to talk to them." <laughs> Like no diss because it works. Like not no not to diss like anybody I know. Yeah, because it works both ways, and we all have our blinders, and we all have you know like stuff that we could you know be better at. You know, try to try to be open to. Because mm-hmm. I know, I mean, I certainly do. And there's like certain certain times I've been proven like like very much wrong about my own assumptions. So you know, it, it's a constant process that you're working on. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just uh, come out to shows, support things, be a friend. Be a homie. Uh, that's that's really all it comes down to. Um, there's there's a lot of talent in Pittsburgh, and if we, we want you know to encourage that and encourage the development of of you know a, a good scene, I think the first step, the, the really the only thing we can do on a really tangible level is just support the good stuff. Yeah, and I think that yeah, people need to be more on board with each other and just. The, the problem honestly isn't even the creators so much because right. i think that we're at this point now where a lot of the people who are pretty active in the community all know each other one way or another right. even like across platforms like we all have crazy mutual friends in certain circles right but you know we're all kind of focused on our own hustles we all have our own shows mm-hmm. there's always like I'm playing a show and somebody else is mm-hmm. playing a show the same night across town and it splits up friend groups, blah, 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 blah. Right. I mean, if you, which you know, is fine. You're working, you're making music, you're in school, you have a relationship, yeah. you know, like but, it's, it's I mean, hard to we make all it have our own shit going on. But the problem is, you know, whenever we have these local shows, we're lucky to get, you know, 50 people to come out mm-hmm. and then let Aesop rock or, EPMD or atmosphere come to town and like all of a sudden there's 500 to a thousand people at this show. And it's like, where are you people the rest of the time? Oh yeah. You know what, you know, it drives me crazy. <laughs> what drives me crazy is that like making the kind of music I make, right. I'll go out and you know, just be, just be out and about. I'll be at like a coffee shop or something, and the, and the barista is playing like Dilla Beats or whatever. And you start thinking, like, I've never seen this person at one of my shows. Yeah, like, sure. And uh, obviously, they have an ear for this kind of music now. You know, like, what's what's the disconnect? Like, how do we like? There's so many people in Pittsburgh because of the schools, because of you know, because of whatever, you know, who are hip, who have you know, like, like actually developed tastes, who have, you know are, um, you know into things that, you know, are, we're making or that, you know, are inspiring us as, as creators, right? Mm-hmm. They, might, they might even be, you know, like creators themselves or just not plugged into it. And and I wonder sometimes about how we could be better at being like 
inclusive, how we can, you know, like get people who normally wouldn't come out or don't have like that incentive to come out or just, you know, we're invisible to them. I think it's, I mean, it's like, we want a scene to happen. Like we want there to be a scene there for us to go and, you know, perform and be a part of. Right. Right. But I don't know if necessarily the casual listener wants that scene to be there. Yeah. You know, they might be totally content working their job, listening to Dilla beats while they're making coffee and then only going to those one or two big shows that might come through every so so often. They might not want that, you know, that shadow lounge type of place where they could go every week and see new music. They just might not be looking for it. You know, and I think that's such such an alien thing to us because, like, we're the kind of people, like, you know, if, if I go, you know, three weeks without seeing a show or without seeing, you know, some some something I haven't seen before. Oh yeah, like my my brain just goes haywire. I just, I can't function right. Yeah, I'm weird. I'm I'm like out of it. Yeah, I don't I don't stay in. It's like every night I am doing something. If I'm staying in, you know, to work the, on the stuff. Likely, that's yeah, it. exactly. exactly. The that's the only is that I'm working on something. Yeah. Or at least just like listening to records and, you know, like plotting, you know? It's never, I'm never in this position of like, what do I need to do tonight? And yeah. maybe that's a position that a lot of other people are in too, but not because they're creators, they're just living life. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's like asking music to be at the core of somebody else's life who, you know, it, it isn't for them. It, it's like asking me, you know, like, you should get like really, really deep in the motorcycles, dude. <laughs> like you should like motorcycles are sweet, and you should go out every weekend to the motorcycle convention. Like it's lit. You know, like I get it. Yeah, I get it. And, like not everybody is meant to be, you know, a dedicated fan. But I guess I guess what I see is like there's such a wide gulf between like the casual fan and you know what we're doing sometimes and i wonder like what what's the difference like and it it goes back to like you know people consume music differently these days you know, totally. it's, it's it's curated for them i think you know you can have you can be somebody who listens to to niche music because it's it's really easy to find it now without knowing like anything about it without having like any sort of context for it you're just like well i i started this pandora station Honestly, dude, and I just kind of like kept listening to it, and like it shows me good music, so I don't need to like investigate any further because that, it just fulfills my function. That's I know so many, so people many people like that who their casual listening thing is a Pandora station or a Spotify playlist, YouTube autoplay, and that and that's YouTube it. autoplay kills it though. <laughs> I definitely found jams that way. So yeah, no, no, no shade, but it's it's reality. Yeah, people, people like don't have time to go nerd out at the record store. People don't have time to go, you know, like scrolling through discogs for three hours. People don't have time for that because they, they have other interests and weird, like the small minority of like, you know, like obsessive nerds who like really care about music has almost become just like background noise for a lot of people. I mean, it, it, it always has been for a lot of people. It's just that there was more, so in some cases, more of an effort just to get to that level and, and to find certain things, or else you were just tied to whatever was on the radio. Mm-hmm. You know, so now it's 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 a weird thing where like you can like underground music, you can be you know a fan, you can name like you know half a dozen artists who are you know pretty under the radar, 
and at the end of the day still be a casual fan of music and no, no different from how somebody, you know, is, is a casual fan of music, listens to top 40, can tell you, you know, who's hot on, on top 40 and you know, that's about it. It's just that, you know, our means of consuming music has made that option possible. Now it's possible to have like a shallow knowledge of something niche very, very easily. Oh yeah. So it's, so it's, it's a weird dynamic. It's a really weird dynamic. It's, yeah, um, if you want to be like, because like, like I said, like you start encountering people who are like into underground sounds, who are into things that, you know, in your mind, you know, have like this very specific context and connotation and like, oh, if you like this, like, obviously you're going to like this. And that's not the case. It's not mm-hmm. the case. So it's, it's, it's just the new mode of, you know, music consumption in, you know, in the 21st century. It's just, it's a little bit different. Yeah. I'm still, I think some of us are still trying to figure out how to navigate it properly. It's a little it's, complicated. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as, as far as I'm concerned, like you seem pretty relaxed. Yeah. I mean, the, the only thing you really can do, um, I guess a part of it's because I'm, I'm young, you know, I have like, I've done a good amount this year. So I'm not like stressed out about like, I need to release stuff. If I'm, you know, right now I, I want to release a bunch of stuff, but that's just, just because I'm like, I'm jazzed on it. I just mm-hmm. want to do it. But I think, you know, at a certain point, the best you can do is just keep doing what you're doing, play shows when you can, make a lot of music, put a lot of music out there, and, you know, diversify. Diversify your bonds. <laughs> like, you know, it's um, being a musician in, in 2016 is crazy. It's really, it's, it's really crazy. Um, I don't think it's ever been simple, but uh, certainly there's there's more that you need to navigate now. You it's, have to be your own PR person. You need to be your own manager. You need to be your own mixing engineer. You need to be like everything for yourself. It's never been so easy and simultaneously so complicated mm-hmm. to be an artist in general. Yeah, than it is right now because it's so easy. There's much easier, efficient ways to produce music if you Mm -hmm. wanted to like say if you want to make beats just in general right you can make beats in your browser pretty fucking easy you know you can do it on a goddamn ipad and then you can release that music on your ipad just bounce it down then put the fucking mp3 on soundcloud or Bandcamp. absolutely and then you can like oh i need a promo picture you can fucking set this up you could take a picture on this goddamn thing it'll look great you need you need you want to design a flyer you can do that fucking thing on this goddamn you could do everything 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 you would ever want to do you could do on the fucking this goddamn ipad that's sitting right here or on your fucking phone right but, but but the thing is that you know th- that possibility has turned into an expectation. Yeah, the possibility of like, oh man, I guess if I really wanted to, I could make a full album on, on my iPad and then distribute it on my iPad, has re- turned into the, the reality of, oh man, the competitive standard now is that I have to do everything myself. Also, I can't afford to do it any other way. So, whoops, locked into that now. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> So it's 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 a it's a different dynamic, and I think that you know things are are changing and things are progressing, um, and that you can't quite do things the way that you you could even you know ten years ago. Definitely you know, not, especially like I look at hip hop and I look at like, like look look at 
indie hip hop like 15 years ago. Like you have, you know, like independent labels that are like well supported, who have, you know, good distro deals, you know, like an album out on Rockus is going to be in the same record stores that an album out on Def Jam is going to be in. You know, you might not be selling as many units, but you're at the table. Yeah. And now, you know, you have, it's, it's easier to put out a record. You know, you don't even have to, you know, go to a Rob Rockus or a Def Jokes or, or, or whatever, or a Rhyme Sayers. Yeah. You know, you don't have to go there anymore. You can just do it all yourself. But now you don't have a space at the table like that. And there's not many tables either. Record yeah, stores. There's, there's are, not a record store. There's not, there's not yeah. like, you know, a place where somebody's going to see your album next to, you know, whoever else's album. It's, it's, and again, it's more niche now too. You know, you're going to be your, your competition are your, your direct peers. You know, yeah. people who are making music that sounds kind of like yours. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's a lot to navigate, man. Um, but my approach to it has just been, you know, being having having like a a thread and a current that runs through everything I do, but at the same time being diverse. Yeah, like so, if I do like an instrumental hip hop project. Or I do a project with with a rapper. If I do, you know, a house project, even if you know, if I wanted to like really go left field and make like an ambient project or something, you know, there'd be something in each of those that's related to each other. That that's you know a thread that you know. Oh, well, yeah, I guess it, because it makes sense that Charlie would make that, but you know, they're all different, mm-hmm. and they can all theoretically appeal to a different audience. I think that's, you know, and, and you're doing it like a similar thing. Like you have the Sykes project and you have, you know, like, like Gray Walker and, you know, you wouldn't confuse the two. You can also tell like, okay, well, like, yeah, I can see like, this is like one guy, you know, who's kind of like behind these things. Sure. I mean, and even within Sykes, I do different things, I think. Yeah. Like it's not always the it's band. Not, it's, it's not always one thing. You yeah. Know? You're not just like making one sound. Yeah. Yeah, that's. that's I would never want to do that. No, like it's it's like making different things, but like establishing an identity too. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the kind of like the the balancing act you have to pull off. It's just that you know, I look at um, you know, a lot of my favorite musicians who you know have done so many different things over the years, like like Miles Davis or somebody, you know, who was behind like you know five or six different paradigm shifts in jazz. But there's, you know, a singularity throughout all of that, too. You, there's his sound that's unmistakably his sound consistently through throughout that whole career. And that's kind of, I guess, what I, what I aspire to. You know, I mean, I hope. I hope that, you know, in in, you know, like 30, 40 years, I'm still, you know, innovating and I'm still, like, doing something new. Yeah. And, but but you can still recognize that it's me. That's mm-hmm. my that's my hope. That's like the best thing I can hope for. It's just just that like consistently like throughout my life, I'm just like you know changing and growing and doing something different, but being true to myself. That's I think that's that's the goal. And you know I think also you know again you just have to genuinely love it. You have to like really just love music if you want to sure. pursue it at this point because. You can look out. You can be, you know, the guy who was rapping for six months before he got signed to a major label. That happens, but you know that a that short lived, and and you know b it's 
probably not going to happen to you. Like 99.99999% chance it's not going to happen to you. Yeah. So if you're, if you're in this for the money, if you're in this for like fame, you know, I, I guess I can't tell you not to do it because you're going to do it anyway. But like, I can tell you it's going to, it's going to run dry and then you're going to be left with nothing. That, and I think that rapping that whole demographic of like, I don't, we were like an aesthetic rapper. Yeah. Uh, if you want to call it that, I think that that come that that's that requires a whole different mindset. If that's really what you're pursuing, if that's yeah. if that's what you want to be, that's like more or less not looking into the past so much and like learning the history. It's about mm-hmm. like what's current what's now, right now, like what can I do right now? How can I emulate this and then give it my own twist? And like, how can I be a a sex symbol in some ways? And how can I yeah. be a little controversial in some ways? It's yeah. like having it's more, a catchy more. song is like at the end of that checklist. Mm-hmm. It's like there's like all these other things. That yeah, it's, it's, need it's, to, it's, you need so to much cross more about, off about just like image and perception. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and you know what. I think I think a lot of it is just understanding that the people who are out there doing that, like it's a function that needs to be filled. There's always been that in music, you know. I'm, you know, there's always been somebody who's, you know, style over substance or or, or whatever, or they're, you know, I'm trying to pick up chicks or you yeah. know, I'm, you know, it's yeah, and like, even whatever. Some, like, some of that music, I don't even mind it. A yeah, good, a good song yeah, is a good you, song. You can't, you can't be mad at, at, at that too much. But you just have to understand that, you know, if you're getting into music and that's your goal, you know, it, it's like, it's a short career path. Whereas, you know, if you're just, if you're just in it because you, you love doing it, regardless of how much success you might attain in that, if, if you really love it throughout your whole life, you're going to find some sort of way to, to pursue that. Oh, totally. You know, there are guys, you know, like I know. Like, I haven't heard them release music in years, you know, maybe they had some records out back in the day, but, you know, they don't really, they're not really active now, but I can guarantee you, they clock out of their nine to five, they drive home, eat something, go right back up to the studio. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what they want to do. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, we we have to, like, start, like, detaching ourselves from, like, this idea of, like, attaining success as being, you know, or like, you know, external success as like a marker of like how well you're doing. It's really just about, you know, are you going to like internal success and like what are makes you, are you like, happy? Are you proud of yourself? Like, yeah. Do, 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 do you make something that like, you know, speaks to what you're like feeling? Yes. Then good. You did it. You did it. Like, it's all it is. I think there's a, a problem too. And just doing that over time. Just like, like making that, keeping that up. It's real easy to have like an unintentional ego when you get into the hip hop world too, mm. I think. Because, yes. cause like, you know, there is so much solidarity, you know, whether you're an MC or you're an MC producer or just a producer, it's a lot of solo stuff. So when it, you know, it's handling that and like putting it out into the world without being it. So like me, 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 I'm great. I'm great mm-hmm. can be hard sometimes. Yeah, but I you mean, need like a little bit of that, but not so much. You, you, you need know. a little bit of that, and you need to be able to to accept praise and to kind of like figure out 
you know, figure out sometimes how people see you and how, you know, not, not obsess over it, not let that control you, but kind of understand that yeah. a little bit, you know, understand like what you're putting out there or, you know, what your role in things is. Absolutely. Um, like, like for me, like I've, you know, like people have given me like all kinds of, you know, crazy, like hyperbolic praise over time and, and it's, it's flattering and sometimes, you know, it messes with me a little bit though. And it's, 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 it, sometimes you have to just understand like, okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe they do think of me this way or maybe that's the case, but that's them. You know, I, I know I could be doing this or, you know, I feel this way or I'm just going to keep doing me because it, you know, you just have to be able to push that aside sometimes, you know, like if, if ego, it's, it's, it's a hard thing, especially in hip hop, which is, you know, so, so ego driven. So like I'm the illest, like, you know, I'm the best, you know, nobody can fuck with me. Uh huh. You know, um, it's, it's easy to, you know, go into extremes. So when like, you're not getting that validation and being like, Oh man. I'm I'm really fucking worthless. <laughs> and when you are getting that validation, it's like, oh man, I'm untouchable. Like nobody can mess with me. You know, like it's finding your way. Like if somebody thinks you're not not hot, whatever. If somebody thinks you are hot, like cool, but still, whatever. It's it's it just you know maintaining yourself mm-hmm. and and um just letting. Letting your personhood come first. I think that's a really important point. Never lose sight of who you are as a, just as a person before, you know, an artist. That's, that's a big thing to me, especially in hip hop. People forget, you know, because like you're, you're going out there, you're introducing yourself to people as your stage name or whatever. You're losing track of just, you know, who you are independent of music. And especially if, if music is a really important part in your life it becomes even harder because like, how do I separate this? It's a part of who I am fundamentally, but you know, it's also external of me, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's difficult. It's definitely difficult, but it's just up to you to find that, that balance and just remember that like at the end of the day, you know, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I'm pretty sure most of us have to work another job to pay the bills. Mm hmm. I'm pretty sure most of us, you know, don't write the check out to Duquesne Light and sign our stage name. You know, <laughs> I'm pretty sure like like our moms don't call us by our stage name. You know, like it's it it is so real in one dimension, but in another dimension, it doesn't matter at all. And I think also that we have, you know, now we have social media. And on you know on Facebook or on Instagram or on Twitter or whatever, I'm always C Scott. You know, you're always who you are are on stage. Yeah, always. And you know, it's finding that separation is really difficult. Taking a step back is really difficult. And you know, I wish it were the case where I could just post you know music stuff on my artist page, and people will go check that out, and then I can post about like my life or what I did today or what I had for breakfast on my personal page that, that doesn't exist because Facebook is terrible. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. The only way you can get people to see stuff is if you use your own page. So, so it's, even it's, now, it's crazy. That, yeah. It's crazy. Like, like, like your online avatar of your personality, of your interests, of of your day to day life, is is out of necessity combined with your online avatar for promoting your music or your art or whatever. And it might make to anybody that's on the outside looking in might make us seem like we're way more ego driven or about ourselves than we really are. Yeah. So it's just, it's not that we're trying to always talk about ourselves or share our music constantly. It's more of a thing that if I, I, I need to share this, I need to get this into the world and this is the only way I can do it. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that, yeah. that I'm posting stuff all the time on here. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, You know, and you're and you're getting this this validation, you know, from your from your homies based on you know the like your musical output and based on like that side of who you are, but that's coming to your personal page, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's you know, yeah. There's so many pitfalls for just like getting caught up in your ego in in 2016 as a musician, just based on like that validation or lack thereof on social media, on online platforms. You know, it's it's definitely like that's why honestly like. I mean, I, I got blown up at work one day, but I, but you know, before that, I liked going in, and you know, even then, even now, people still don't really care. But you know, it, I liked going in and clocking in, and you know, what I do outside of that eight hours or whatever doesn't matter at all because oh, I need sure. to take out the trash, yeah, because I need to change the drinks, you know, because I need to, you know, make the sandwich real quick. It just, you know. <laughs> It's irrelevant. Uh-huh. And that's actually like, you know, therapeutic because in the rest of my life, I'm always, you know, just somebody I'm always going to be on. I'm always going to be, you know, it's a performance to somebody. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's something you gotta, even if you, you know, even for me, like I'm a behind the scenes guy. I'm not, you know, on stage with a microphone in my hand. I'm not, you know, the front man of a band, you know, I, I'm, you know, not as visible as, as some other people, but I still feel that way. So I can only imagine what it's like if, you know, if, you, if you're an MC, you like, you know, or if you're in a more upfront position, you know? And, and that's another thing. I think that social media creates that perception also. Like, before, you know, you'd know who the producer was if, like, you're one of us and you're just, you know, you're reading, you know, credits. Oh yeah, and, you know, you're opening up the, the liner notes to the CD, you know, and and that's the only way you would really know, you know that that's who was really checking for you if you you were just making beats or if you like you know a DJ maybe would you know play to you know a wider crowd who was just you know again just looking to be in the atmosphere and to get you know trashed or whatever and then you know a small minority would be like, yo, this guy can really spin, you know, <laughs> um, it's just you know it's kind of it's kind of a weird thing. The, the producer is more visible now so that the producer is more visible now and your your identity as an artist is in, is tied into your identity as a person because of like the interwebs and that's a weird combination it's definitely a weird combination for for people like us because like you know we're lab rats yeah it forces it forces some of us to be more 
extroverted than yeah. we would probably prefer to be. Yeah. And also, sometimes you just get caught up spending time online that you should be spending working on stuff. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this is true. That That's the most genuine response <laughs> to that. Yeah, I mean, like, we, we all fall victim to it. And, it, you know, it's just, I don't know. Sometimes it's just you have to take a step back and unplug from the matrix. If that's you know de- means deactivating, or that me- just means like leaving your phone at home when you go for a walk, or or whatever. Yeah, that's it's always valuable. And I mean, I'm. Yeah, I'm just. <laughs> I think about like out. when I was like coming up, like thirteen, fourteen. Um. And none of my friends had cell phones or anything. This was like, you know, late 90s, like 99, 2000. None Mm -hmm. of us had cell phones. But we would all still like manage to like make plans, get to the mall, meet each other in the food court at a certain time. And we were all there and we did it without cell phones or texting and planning and like. Absolutely. It's kind of crazy to think about that now. Like, if you yeah. told me now I had to make plans with six of my friends and none of us had phones and we had to organize this, just, like, call each other on our house phones before we leave, I'd be like, "There's somebody's going to get lost. How are they going to even get to the mall? They don't have a GPS. Yeah, like, right. dumb shit, you know? Yeah. We're, like, so dependent on it. But. So dependent on it. And it's, you know, I mean, most of us don't have, you know, PR agencies, like, pumping money into our music. No. You know? No. Most of us, you know... God, I mean, if, if, you know, if, if my phone and laptop just broke, I would be, I'd be crippled. <laughs> I would have to, you know, like go to the library every day and upload beats at the library. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. May, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd have to make beats at the library. <laughs> now, well, I mean, I guess I wouldn't have to make beats at the library, but I'd have to like, I have to like get it like a digital recorder or something and like yeah, it would, it would be bad. It would be bad. I'd have to go to the library every day just to make plans with people and just be social. Uh-huh. Cuz that's how it works now. Yeah. You know, unless you just run into somebody and get lucky, but that seems it happens even more rarely now than it ever did. Oh yeah. You know. I you know, like I guess you know, people grow up and they get more isolated. And it's harder to you know, make communal plans. That's you know, I guess something that goes into like throwing shows. Also, is that if you make music that appeals to like older people, that isn't you know like turn up party music necessarily. You know, it, you're not going to get those masses of people who are coming in like, you know, groups of like twelve, you know, like you know six girls, like four guys, whatever, just you know, like all in a group just coming into the show because it's the spot. You know, mm-hmm. that's definitely something I think about also. Like I see, I probably shouldn't name any of the nights I'm actually thinking of, but I see certain <laughs> nights that are centered on like, let's say certain nights that are centered on like one artist, one popular artist, and they're hosted at some of the venues that, you know, we might play in. And, and those are the nights that the venue actually makes money on versus, you know, we're, we're in our, you know, we're doing something like completely different, completely, you know, 
180 degrees away from, you know, so-and-so who's tearing up the charts and, you know, that venue looks empty compared to how it is on those other nights. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a hype thing. People, it's it's a balance. People will follow a hype. Like I keep saying, it's just, you know, you have to navigate those trenches. (laughs) You know, it's just, it's just what it is. It's a different climate. Well, we should probably wrap this one up. We've been killing it on this one. Oh, wow. This is going for quite some time. This the, will probably, we'll cut it down a the bit. Long boy. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, good. It's good though. I'm feeling like really like, like I'm like locked in, but I'm also kind of zoned out a little bit today. I don't know. It's yeah. like that. Maybe it's just this like Thursday afternoon type of thing. Thursday vibes. No, I, I, I understand that. Yeah. Getting ready for the, the weekend and whatnot. Anyways. Thanks for coming over. Yeah, no problem. Thanks dude. for doing it, chatting all this nerdy had to, talk. Had to, you know, to drop something. You know, eventually yeah. had to drop the like the most flame podcast of <laughs> 2016 on you guys right quick. You know, no, I'm, I, I'm the Bo Jackson of this. Okay, okay, uh, I, I do everything. No, no, I was, I'm I'm stoked because I've been wanting to get you on the show for a while. So I'm yeah, glad man, that we no, just I, like kind of buckled down and did it before. I've been meaning to find somebody who would let me just like talk on a microphone for an hour and a half for a while. <laughs> so like, perfect. You got perfect. it. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop this now, and then that'll be that. Peace. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. See Scott. What a talented motherfucker. If you are not familiar with his stuff, please be sure to check out the links that I have in the description. Check out all the new stuff he has been putting out, all the stuff he has on the horizon. And yeah, get to know the dude. He's awesome. I'll be back again sooner than you think with another new episode. Same time, same place, same channel, you know the drill, blah, blah, blah. My name is Sykes, start the beat, 2016, whoop, whoop. Thanks for listening. Yep, okie dokie, goodbye.